0: There was a young man who walked into a photography studio with a picture of his girlfriend. And he wanted to get the picture duplicated. So he brought it to the, to the place, and they were looking it over. They were going to copy it for him. And they noticed that on the back of the picture, it said this. My dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. It was signed, Diane. And it contained a P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. People's promises are not as eternal as we would like them to be. But God's promises are. And here today we want to spend some more time on the promises of God and how can we pray the promises of God. Don't want to just assume everybody knows how to do it. We want to actually go through the Word and look at how we can pray the promises of God. A lot of people pray what they think are the promises of God. They pray the way they think they ought to pray the promises of God. But we end up not praying the promises, we end up praying the wine. We sit there and we whine to God. And we try and whine to God through the promises. We want to make sure we don't do that. So we're going to identify that here today. But if we're going to pray the promises of God, one of the things we talked about when we started this series was that if we are going to ask God for something, whatever it is we're going to ask God for, there are three things that we need. First off, does God have it? Though we like to believe that God has all things, there are some things that are not in God's hands to give to us. And we spent a little bit of time looking at some of those, uh, some of the aspects of some of those things here today. But does first off, does God have it? Because if God does not have it, how can He give it? He's got to first off have it. So does God have it? Second, is God willing to give it? Just because God has it doesn't mean that He's willing to give it. We have to find out from His Word, is He willing to give it? Is He willing to give it to me now? Some of the things that God has said, this is yours, but it's for the future. How many of y'all know God has a mansion for you in heaven? That's not for you now. (laughs) You don't get to have that now, but later you get to have that. So, does God have it? Is God willing to give it? And third, what is required to receive it? Some things God has freely given. Some things have a requirement to them. So what is it that is required, if anything, what is required to receive it? When we find a promise in the Word, you will find that it contains all of these ingredients. Every promise in the Word of God that is given for you will tell you, first off, that God has it. Secondly, that God is willing to give it. And third, what is required to receive it. Every single promise of God that He has given contains all the things that are necessary in order for us to receive from Him. So all we need to do is is find out what are the promises of God, what does the promise of God say, and pray the promise. Because the promise will tell us that God has it, God is willing to give it, and what is required on my part in order to get it. In Ephesians chapter 1, 15, we're going to look at a prayer of Paul. We've looked at this prayer in times past. But we're going to take a look at this prayer through the eyes of the promises. What is it that backs up this prayer that Paul makes? How does Paul make this this promise? Or this, this prayer? What are the promises that are involved with this? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, after I heard of your faith, after I heard of your faith. He prays in a certain way for these people because he's heard of their faith. As Christians, we've got to follow that example. You cannot pray the same way for people that are unsaved as people that are saved. You've got to first off find out, are they people of faith? Do they have faith to believe in God? He said... Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So the first thing on this is the people that you're going to pray for, this is, you're going to pray for yourself, hopefully you're saved. <laughs> but if you're going to pray for other people, as Paul is doing right here, the first thing we need to find out is, are they saved? Do they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that will change what it is that you can do. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Here's the second thing. As a Christian, you need to be walking in love. There are Christians who don't walk in love. You cannot pray for Christians who don't walk in love the same way you pray for Christians who do. Notice the two conditional requirements here he puts on there. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, he didn't say love for all people. He said love for the saints. We got to make sure the people that are born again, people that are in the family of God, that we love them. Now I bet you'll notice in your life that you have had more come against you in loving people in the church than loving people outside the church. But look what he said here: after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Of all the things Paul could have put in here that he heard, these are the only two he put in. This is what triggered him to pray this prayer for these people. I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I heard of your love for all the saints. It's important that we walk in those things. If we are praying for people who are not walking in these things, do you realize your prayers are going to be hindered? what you can pray. You can't pray all the things that you desire to pray. You can't pray all the things that you necessarily want to pray. But here he knows these two things, faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. After I heard of your faith and your love for the saints, those two things, let's go on in verse 16. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, it doesn't mean that 24 hours a day he's praying for these people, but he constantly prays for them. It's a constant thing. There are some things we pray once and done. There are some things we pray continually for. This is one of those things he prayed continually. And here's what he prayed. Verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, if he is praying for the Lord Jesus Christ to give them the spirit of of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, then first off he must have it. Now how many would would say that we know from the Word of God that the spirit of God is a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. so God has this and he's willing to give it. what are the requirements? that are needed in order for you to receive this? Faith in the Lord Jesus and love for the saints. Now, we, we love to grow in the area of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. How many have had that desire? Oh, I want to grow in wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Him. If the enemy wants to keep you from it, He's got to attack two places. One is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and most, most times we don't have very good success with it that way. We've, we've got faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not letting that be shaken. So, if that's the strongest area we've got in our life, what area do you think he's going to try and come against? Love for the saints. He's going to try and have turmoil come in. He's going to try and sow seeds. We talked about this in series in the past. One of his jobs is to be the accuser of the brethren. And so constantly he will be coming to you and giving accusations against people that you know that are believers. And he will back them up with some physical evidence. So-and-so is doing this. So-and-so is this way. So-and-so has this attitude. So-and-so is not. So-and-so is. And he'll make these accusations and then he'll roll the videotape and let you see something that happened. Because if he can get you to walk out of the love of God, he will hinder you in the area of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. So be on guard. Walk in love to the brethren. It's easier said than done. How many know that? It's easier said than done. It is, it is certainly easier said than done. But you can do it. You can do it. Paul said this one time. Actually, there's two things he said that I'll I'll get into here. Um, One of them was that I become all things to all people that I might win the more. The higher you get up in the body of Christ, the more you move into areas of responsibility that God has given you in his call or whatever it would be that you are walking in the body of Christ. The further you get along in that, the greater, this is the number one thing you will notice. And you may not jump out at you. But the number one thing that you will be able to do is to adjust your personality to everyone else's. The people on the low end of the spectrum in the body of Christ, those people that God cannot depend on, those people that God cannot put things in His hand, though He may want to, are those people who everyone must adjust to them. Those in the middle have grown in that area. They still need some people to adjust to them, but they also are willing to make some adjustments. But if you want to get all the way up in the kingdom of God, that's what you need to do. There's another word for that. It's called being humble. Who was the most humble man in the word of God? Moses. Who was the highest of all people in the Old Testament? Can you think of anyone that outranked Moses? I can't. Joshua did not. Joshua was a high-ranking person. He did not outrank Moses. Elijah was a high-ranking one. As far as I can tell, folks, his influence, his fear of what God put in his hands was nowhere near what he put in Moses' hand. Moses, as far as I can tell, is the highest-ranking individual I could find in the Word of God. I believe he outranks Abraham. Abraham put himself on the map with his faith and giving God the opportunity to to do some things to bless all humanity. But Abraham did not walk in the things that Moses did, nor did the Word of God ever say that Abraham was a humble man. You see, when pride comes up, pride causes us to think other people ought to adjust to us. Humility says, I can help them. Pride says, I'm greater than them. They need to change for me. You want to work on an area in your life? Work on not adjusting, not making other people adjust to you but you adjusting to them. I'll tell you what, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. You want some examples? Moses is one of those examples. doesn't mean that Moses just let people push him around. Moses stood up for some things, for the things of God. Jesus was another example. And Jesus didn't, just didn't let people push him over. He, um, he stood up for some things as well. You want to move on to the things of God. First off, first and foremost get yourself to the place where you can adjust your personality. That's part of walking in love. You'll walk in greater areas of walking in love if you can do that. But that is a hard thing to do and not everybody not everybody likes to go after that. That the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I said there was two areas. I almost forgot the, the second one. But here's the second one. We talked about this when we were in the Philippians series. Do you know that Paul made this statement. And how many people know Paul had some great guys with him. He had some phenomenal leaders. When you look at Paul, you think of the people he had. He had Titus. He had Barnabas. Peter was around there. John was around there. The people that came on his team. How many great men did he have on his team? And yet these were the words of Paul. He said, I have no one like-minded except Timothy. He said, all men seek after their own. You know, isn't that something? Now think about this. Titus, as great of a leader as he was, he was not a Timothy, according to Paul. That he still sought after some things for himself. And that would include the other people in those day, that day that were around with Paul. Can you imagine that? That's what Paul said about the people in his day and age. I have no one else like-minded. And he was going to send Timothy to them to help them. Of all the people in the world that Paul had, that Paul had raised up, that had come up under that ministry, Paul said, I've only got one guy who's like-minded, and he was including himself in there, like-minded in that they seek after the kingdom of God only and not after the things of themselves. Tell you what, we work on those two things. We'll be a whole lot better. We seek after our own things a lot more than we may be attentive to. Anyway, let's go on here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Not just something we tap into now and then. Sometimes we think about this. I, need a, I face a situation. I need wisdom. i ask God for wisdom. God will give me the wisdom and I'm taking care for now. But he's talking about something else here. He says they may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom. I put this in your notes for you. Wisdom, knowing what to do with what we know. Knowing what to do with what you know. Just because you know stuff doesn't mean that you're wise. A wise person is one who can take the things that they know and make it work. Turn it into something that That works. You say, oh, that person is wise. Why? Because they're able to take the things that they know and put it into application. Put it into a process that actually brings about good. That's what wisdom will do for you. If we lack wisdom, it's because we are facing something that I don't understand how to take the knowledge I have or the knowledge I don't have and change that situation. So we ask for wisdom. That's wisdom. Revelation is insight into things we thought we knew, but after the revelation, we see how much we didn't know. Think of it this way. How many of you have ever thought, boy, I know everything I need to about that particular situation? And you're content. I know about that. I know about that. And then someone comes along who teaches you something on that. And you say, oh, I didn't know that. You just opened up my eyes to see a whole new aspect of this. Well, that understanding was there before. That revelation was there, but you just didn't come to it. But then all of a sudden you came to the day and revelation came to you. Oh, now I understand. Now I can see how to make that work. That's the spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation wants to not only bring wisdom into your life, the spirit of revelation wants to bring understanding to stuff you may know about, but you don't quite have the revel- The light hasn't turned on just yet. Remember the disciples? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven he revealed to him to them the truth about Jesus and about what his mission was here about who he was if you understand that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is available to you and that you can grow in it there are only two things you need in, according to paul only two things you need in your life to get this thing going first off faith in the lord jesus christ secondly Walk in love to the saints. Do you think that the wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him is something that the enemy would fear? <laughs> Surely he would. He doesn't want you walking in that. That's going to hinder him. If you have wisdom, if you have revelation, you're going to, you're going to hinder the, the works of the, of the evil one. So what's he going to do to keep you from it? He's going to keep you out of those walking in love if he can't attack your faith. And if he, he can't do that, he's going to get you to not expect this. I want to show you some verses of Scripture on on this. Because where does Paul get this? When Paul prays this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Where does he get from the Word to pray for this? In 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verse 9, But it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. God has revealed us to uh, us through His Spirit. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. That the Spirit of God comes upon to reveal things. to—that's That's one of His purposes. The Spirit of God is not just here for power. He's not even just here for wisdom. He's also here to bring revelation to you. That if you come upon an area in the scripture. And you're not quite understanding it. But you're seeing there's something more here. You can rely upon the spirit of revelation. And you can say as Paul prayed for this. I pray father that I increase. That I grow in the wisdom and revelation. That comes from the spirit of God. And you can grow in that. It's imperative. That we grow in the area of revelation. Not just what we study in the word of God. And what I can reason out or piece together. But what God reveals to me. That down in my spirit all of a sudden it drops in. This is what that's meaning. That will help you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 19. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> for they are foolish to the foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You cannot know, you cannot receive the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. If you are going to understand the things of the Word of God in a greater degree than what you understand now, it's going to come through your spirit. That's how it's coming. It'll come. God wants it to come. He has lots of revelation up there. He has lots of wisdom up there. He wants it to come. But this is how it's going to come. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. First John 2 and verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That that anointing that comes upon you, that anointing can teach you. And it will bring you into a place to abide in him even deeper. Isaiah. Chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is the Spirit of God. These are the attributes of the Spirit of God. That same Spirit that was upon Jesus, He says, I'm going to the Father so that He can send that Spirit down upon you. So that same Spirit comes upon you. That Spirit of, let's read it again, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That same spirit will come down upon you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. How he made known to me the mystery. How did he make known it to him? By revelation. The understanding that Paul had of the New Testament truth came because of revelation. God revealed it to him. Some of it was he, was, he was, he was, he physically in heaven. Other parts came in his spirit. The spirit of God revealed it to him. But there was a revelation that was there. And that elevated him to a greater walk with God because of the revelation. Your walk with God can be elevated because of the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that you walk in. Don't be content with what you got. What you got is good, but it's not enough. There's more. Walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And when that spirit comes upon you, this is, his, this is his attributes. These are the things that are about him. He is here as the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Not the knowledge of the world. Not the knowledge of the things in the world. The knowledge of him. You do not need to know more about the world or the things in the world. You need to know more about him. That if you understand about him, you will understand the things that are in this world because he made all things. Let's, let's keep on going on here. Look at the next verse that he gets into in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding. Your understanding has eyes. Your physical body has eyes. And just as you, when you put your eyes on something, then you can, de, you can determine it. You can, you can help understand it. How many have ever been in a room and the lights were funny? They weren't normal lights. And as you're looking in the room, you can't understand the things that are there. You understand them by the lights that are there. And those lights are, you know, they're black lights, they're they're funny lights. And it changes how things are. But then when those lights go on and the regular lights go on, then you can see. Now the eyes of your physical being can understand because the light has been turned on. This is what helps us. This is what gets us to, to go when you when you get up in the in the middle of the night, I don't know about you, but it, we have a fireplace at home. In the middle of the night, somewhere around 3 a.m. in the morning, I wake up. I don't plan to wake up. I don't set my alarm to wake up. It just I just wake up because I know if I don't go down and put more wood on the fire, the fire is going to be just about out. And you know when it's the coldest part of the day, it's the night time. If you want to help the heater out, you got to put the wood on. So I got up somewhere around three, three, three thirty somewhere there, and I don't. I will tell you this: I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like getting out of bed. You might, I may have been woken, but I can go right back to sleep. But I get up, go on downstairs, put the wood in the fire, get the thing going. If it die down too much, then I got to do some things to kind of boost it up, and then uh, get it all going, and then I head on upstairs. But even though I've walked in my house many, many times, I can still walk out of the of the room and, and hit something. And if you hit something, you know, you wake up people. I can wake up my wife or something like that and I don't want to wake up people. But without the light on, of course, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning in this part of the country, the lights aren't on. It's dark. No matter if it's the middle of the summer, of course, you're not going down to take care of the fire in the middle of the summer. But, <laughs> In the middle of winter, it's still dark. And so I have a little flashlight that's, that's by my bed. I got a real fancy one. It's a real tiny little, little sucker. And it just, its only purpose there is to get me from upstairs to downstairs without having to turn any lights on. And, uh, you know, one button, it's got two buttons on it. And one button, if I hit it in the right way, it automatically goes in this low, just one lumen light and just, just comes out. that won't wake up anybody. But if I really want to not wake up anybody, I hit the other button. And the other button, it's a red light. That doesn't wake up a soul. No one sees it. It's just a red light. But it's just enough light to let me see if I'm going to hit something, where the door is, where the handle is, so I don't make noise And when I'm going on out to, to take care of that. This helps us out. You see, we get some light. All you need is some light to put on the subject. And then you can see. Well, the Word of God says that the Spirit of God is our light. He will help open up our eyes to see. It's just like we're in a dark room and then somebody turns the light on and now I can see what is happening. I can see what's going on. You may be in an area studying out something for the things of God. I know there's something more about this in the area of of studying God, studying God, studying His Word. I know there's something more. I just... I don't know what it is just yet. And so you keep studying it, keep studying it, keep studying, it, and all of a sudden the light turns on. That's what this verse is talking about here when it says this the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Because your understanding has eyes. And we're waiting for the light to get turned on. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Remember Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11? We looked at this last time. For I know the thoughts that I, ha- that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. When my eyes are opened up, when my, the eyes of my understanding are opened up, then I know what is the hope of His calling. If we're having a difficulty with the hope of His calling, the problem is probably because our eyes of our enlightenment have not been enlightened. But God wants to enlighten them. If you're having problems with, I'm not sure where God's taking me. I'm not sure what the future is. I'm not... Your eyes, you don't know. And when we don't know, we start assuming. Well, I don't, I don't think there's something here. Oh, there was. I think this is where the doorknob is. Oh, that's not. And we're not sure because we don't have the enlightenment that comes from that little flashlight that uh, we, can, we can shine Your eyes of your enlightenment can be opened. When they're opened up, where God is taking you, the hope of His calling becomes evident. Well, if you're the enemy, you would certainly not want that to happen, would you? If you're the enemy, you want to keep the hope of your calling quiet. You want to calm it down. You want to make it think like you can't get there. It's not going to happen for you. Whatever God has called you to, that's not going on. God's not going to do that. You aren't aren't walking in those kind of things. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Well, what's the condition here that you may know the hope of his calling? It's having our eyes enlightened. Oh, it's important, folks. It's important. That's why he was praying this ever since I heard of your faith and love. Ever since I heard of those two things, this is what I've been praying for. And he says he does it without ceasing, because he saw this is important. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? He doesn't want you just to know what the hope of his calling is. He wants you to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. People get upset with riches. Ethel was talking about that here this morning. People get upset about riches. I'm not sure who, which minister she was talking about. There's only a handful I know that are always picking on for having money. <laughs> and it's a shame. But, you know, the jealousy, things like that. They, they just don't know who God is. But whatever it might be, as soon as people hear riches, they think, oh, no, 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 we can't have riches. No, no, we've got to be on the other side. We're not t- He's not talking about riches and money. He's talking about what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, his inheritance encompasses a whole lot of more, more stuff than just money. In fact, if you ask God's opinion about money, God says, well, that's the stuff I just used to find out where people are. That's the cheap stuff. The good stuff, we have to wait until we find out how you handle the cheap stuff. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance? Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children and heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. We are heirs, an heir of God. You're made an heir because there is something to inherit. If there is something to inherit, doesn't it help us to know what that inheritance is? Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Another verse talking about we are heirs. Titus chapter 3, verse 7. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That we become heirs of the hope of eternal life. There's an heirship that we're to have. There's a We're become heirs of something. Walk in this, know about it. We've got to know what am I an inheritance what what as inheritance am I going to receive? What affects me here in this life? What affects me in the next life? What is it that's going on? Ephesians chapter one verse nineteen, let's go on with this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Do you know what the power of God is toward you? If someone were to come up to you and say, Describe to me the power of God toward you, would you be able to do it? This is why he's praying for them to understand, to know these things. He is praying on a regular basis that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Not toward everyone. Those who believe. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us? The exceeding greatness. It's important for you to know it. This will affect your life. To know what is the power of God that He sends from Him to me? What is it? How does it work? How does it go on? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Take a look at Psalms 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield... My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise Him. The Lord is my strength. And my shield. the Lord is my strength. Well, if He is your strength, and if He is your shield, it sure would help you out to learn what they are. And how they're working for you. And don't think, well, I already got this down. Apparently not, because Paul prayed for the saints in the, in the church on a regular basis. That they would grow in his knowledge. If Paul sees this as something that he can pray on a regular basis for them to understand, how many know there's probably more to understand it than you knew, than you than you do right now? There's probably more. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now not everybody that the Holy Spirit has come upon has received power, have they? But you shall receive, the power is there, the power can come down upon you. But if I don't know what it is, if I don't know how to use it, what good does it do? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 14. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us. That's you and me. Raise us up by His power. If God will raise us up by His power, how does He do it? What's He going to do? It's imperative that we learn about these things and it doesn't just come because somebody says, well, this is how it's done. It comes by revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's what I need. When I walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, these are all the things He's going to be bringing to me. that I may know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. One more verse here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That power works in us. And He's able to, through it, do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now we all know that verse. We've all heard that verse before. We've all rejoiced when we heard that, voice, that verse before. And yet still we will come upon things in our life. Well, that seems to be too great. I think that's too much. I don't know that I can, I can do that. Because we haven't come into the knowledge of what we're supposed to be doing. What this is supposed to be doing for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Power and of love and a sound mind. He has given us a spirit—not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power. The first attribute he lists here of that spirit is a spirit of power. The same thing he said before, according to the, that, that, um, Ephesians three twenty, and not of him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. He says in Second Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. When we feel that fear come upon us, that's not the spirit of power. That's the spirit of weakness. I am not as strong as this thing is coming against me. The spirit of power says, come on, bring it on, let's go. Spirit of love. He's going to lead you in love. He's going to lead you in places that are of a sound mind. Now that's how Paul made a prayer for the people that he was praying for. Those are some of the verses that came behind it. Now, he didn't pray any one of those promises. What he did was he pulled them all together and he made a prayer based on them. And that's something that you can do. I can make a prayer based on promises or I can actually pray the promise itself. But this is a better way for us to go. Pray the promises. Don't pray the problem. Most Christians pray the problem. Here's what they do. They come to God. Well, God, I don't know what to do. I'm facing this thing over here. This and this is going on over here. And well, I just don't know what to do. But oh, this has just discouraged me so much. I just feel so down. I just feel so, uh, so worn out. I just don't think I can continue on because this thing is just bringing me down. This is our prayer. We're not praying the promise. We're praying the problem. But this is how we spend a lot of our time in prayer. This is why we spend so much time in prayer is because we spend so much time praying the problem. Don't be sitting there praying the problem. You know, maybe that makes you feel better. Have you ever had that? You got a problem, and you just want to talk to somebody, you just kind of let it out, and uh, <laughs> it makes you feel better. It doesn't change anything, though. We sometimes do that with God. Don't don't be doing that. Don't pray the problem. Pray the promise. Proverbs chapter three. If you'll turn over there, we'll look up on the screen. Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Now, that may not jump right out at you. It may look like more of a series of commands, but this is actually a promise. This is a promise from God. Look at it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's the first thing that he's going to talk about is my trusting. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The temptation is for us to not trust in the Lord, but to trust in other things. I can begin to trust in money. I can begin to trust in my job. I can begin to trust in my spouse. I can begin to trust in, and you can name whatever it is that you're trusted in, but I'm not trusted in God. I trust in this. I trust in a good report from the doctor. I trust that my body feels a certain way. We trust in these things. When those things are gone, our trust is shaken. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not a part of the heart. Every bit of it needs to be involved in the trust with God. This is the first thing he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. This is something that's really easy for us to do as Christians. We lean on our own understanding. Here's Here's words that we use for this. Well, I just don't understand why God does this. Have you ever said that? Well, I just don't understand why this is happening to me. Well, I just don't understand why people do that. Well, I just don't understand why they haven't given me a raise. Well, I just don't understand how the economy, I just don't understand how, and whatever it is that we list, we have these things and we'll say, I just don't understand. And then we list the thing that's going on. What understanding are we relying on? There's really no way of getting around it. If you're going to make a statement that says, I just don't understand and then you list what it is, I am relying on my understanding of that topic. Is that not right? Now look at this verse. He says, First off, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The way that verse is worded. Do you not get the idea that for me to lean on my own understanding is to not trust in the Lord? So if I make the statement, I don't understand, not only is my understanding in a natural realm, where is my trusting? It's in a natural realm too. But here's what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not On your own understanding. Do you see a promise in there? Absolutely not. There's no promise yet. But there is one. Let's go on to the next verse. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Whatever it is that you're doing, acknowledge God. Be acknowledging God. I acknowledge God in my way of understanding. Because I trust in His understanding. I acknowledge God and what I'm trusting in. When people say, well, you don't know what the economy is doing. You might not. I trust in the Lord. And I keep going around. I acknowledge to people. I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. I am trusting in Him. I trust in His Word. I keep going around. and I acknowledge that. Well, people will think I'm some religious nut. Well, that's okay. Because I'd rather be them thinking that and go along with His Word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Not half, not mostly. All your ways acknowledge Him. Now here's the promise. And He shall direct your path. And He shall direct your path. Why do you want that? Why do you want God directing your path? Well, the instance thing we would say is, well, then, you know, I'm going in the a, in a right direction. I'm going where I'm supposed to be going. Now, have you ever... Seen people who are just kind of aimlessly walking around? Go over to the mall sometime. You, you, you look in the mall and you'll find some people just kind of aimlessly walking around. Not really stopping in any stores. Not really doing much of anything. Just kind of walking around. Maybe, uh, I, don't, I don't this might sound a little bit sexist, but you know, guys don't normally team up, two or three guys, walk around the mall and just talk we're just not wired. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's just we're not wired for that. But if you walk around the mall, you will see a lot of times two, three, four girls walking around the mall and just talking and sipping on stuff. And They're wired more for that. Not one better than the other. It's just we're, we're kind of wired for that a little bit. I notice that when I go out to the group run. You go out to the group run, you get a bunch of girls who go together because generally it's, it's girls go together and guys go together and they don't mix a whole lot. I don't know why. They just don't. But if you get a bunch of the girls together, they they talk, they run and they talk. The most important part of the group run is the talking. It is the most vital part. I, uh, when I uh, sometimes I pass them, there's a couple of groups of the girls and they're running around. They don't run the whole course; they kind of cut off and and you pass them. And as you're passing them, you hear talk, 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 talk. And I've, I've told you before, I love, absolutely love running with John because. John, above all things, he not only goes fast and helps push me faster, but John knows when to shut up. <laughs> he just knows when to do it. And we'll start off the group run, and we spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes on the group run. Or sometimes we go out, we'll just go out together, and we go out for the run. We go out together and go for a run. We're running for an hour. You know how much we say to each other. I mean, we're not silent, but we, we'll, we'll talk like for the first mile. We'll uh, how was work, how the kids doing. You know, he just had his uh, son got some wisdom teeth out, so I was running with him. How the kids, how's, he, how's he doing from that? All oh, you know, what's going on? So we'll catch all up, up on that in about the first mile. And then we, uh, we put our nose to the grindstone and we run. And we run fast enough that it's hard to talk and, and run at the, the same time. But that's what we like to do. Now, when we're at the group run, there are two guys. They are faster than I am. I very seldom get to run with them. Every once in a while I do, but very seldom do I get to run with them. But they run sometimes with some other guys, but there's always these two guys. They are the two tallest guys in the group. They are head and shoulders above everyone else in the group, and they run together, and they have a good time. And the entire time, the entire time that they are running, they are talking. They talk constantly. They just love talking. And the thing is, they run faster than I can run. And they're just, hey, you know, you know just, just talking away. It's like, this is no big deal. This is an easy pace. It's a piece of cake. If I keep up with them, I'm like, ah, 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 they're not talking. <laughs> they are. They're just having a good old time just chatting and talking and, and, uh, and doing such, such things like that. Oh, my. But sometimes we just want to go to God and we just want to talk. But you see, it gets, that gets us out of the area of faith. That gets us out of the area of understanding Him. It gets us into the area of leaning on our own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, He says. First off, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Those are three conditions we must meet. If we do, and He shall direct your paths. He shall direct your paths. If He is directing your path, Remember the the example of the people walking around the mall aimlessly walking around. Then you go into the mall and you find somebody, man, woman could be either one. And they're on a mission. I am here to find a particular thing. I am not being distracted by the people in the mall. I am not being distracted by the different stores I don't want to go into. I am here to find, maybe it was a woman, she has to find a dress for a certain occasion. Or an outfit for a certain occasion. Maybe a guy has to do the same thing. they got to find a suit or something like that. I am going to find what I need to find, and that's it. And so you're, you're on a mission. And when you're on a mission, you're not aimlessly wandering around. You're, you've come into the mall, and you said, I'm going to go over here to Macy's. I'm going to go over here to JCPenney. I'm going to go over here to Sears. If I don't find it there, there's this other store over here. I'm going to check this one out. There's this other store over here. I'm going to check this, and you got it all mapped out where you're going to go and what you're going to do, and so you you have your high, your, your priorities. My uh, my priorities, I'm going to try JCPenney first. They've got a big sale going on. they got whatever it is. I'm going to go there first. If they don't have it, I'm going to go over here to Sears, and if Sears doesn't have it, then I'm going to go over to Macy's, and if they don't have it, then I'm going to go over and you have the other store that you're going to and it doesn't have to be a necessarily an efficient manner. You're just looking to what's, what's the ones that I find the clothes that I want at more often and you're going to hit them first And so until you, you go here, here, here and here. You see, you're no longer aimlessly wandering around the mall. You have a purpose and I'm going here and I'm going to get this thing done. I'm going here. to do, You've got a purpose. Now think of it this way. You're in your house. You're in your house, and you are downstairs in your house, and all of a sudden, you realized you needed something upstairs. In order to accomplish the next thing that you were doing downstairs, you needed something upstairs, and so you march on upstairs with purpose, with direction, and you get upstairs, and you forget what you went upstairs for. Anybody ever done that? I've done that a number of times. Forgot. I know I came up here for something. And it was something I needed to finish what I was doing downstairs. And so I went from having purpose and marching up the stairs to all of a sudden aimlessly wandering around because I don't know what I came up here for. And maybe you've done it this way too. Eventually you give up and you go back downstairs to what you were doing hoping that you'll remember by doing what you were doing. And then if that happens, then you have purpose again and you go back upstairs, even more focused than you were before to get that thing that you needed so that you can finish what you were doing downstairs. There is a difference between a person who is walking with purpose and direction and one who is just aimlessly going around. The people that are just aimlessly going around are not moving with any kind of hope, with any kind of faith. With any kind of purpose. But the word of God says it this way. Let's read this verse again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first thing. Lean not on your own understanding. That's the second thing. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's the third thing. And he shall direct your paths. That means you will no longer be just aimlessly going about life hitting this thing over here and then finding out I did that for no purpose at all. I'll go over here and see if I find purpose with this. No longer are you aimlessly going about. But God is directing you. He says, Steve, head over to this direction. And I head over to that direction. And I I stay in that direction. I stay doing that thing that he he says to do until he says, Steve, move over into this direction. Pursue this area over here. Pursue this calling. Pursue this this uh, knowledge, pursue this area of the Word of God, whatever it is, he, he sends me direction. And then I begin to pursue that. But a person who doesn't follow these things, they follow maybe God's purpose to a particular place, but then they got bored. And the thought came in, what are you doing here? Why are you going about doing this? And then pretty soon they say, you know what, it's, that's right, and they aimlessly wander into something else because their life doesn't have any purpose anymore. They're trying to find it. But look what this verse says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. If you focus on those first three things, your prayer life can be this way. Father God, I trust in You with all my heart. I will not lean on my own understanding. and I have not been leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on Yours. In all my ways, I am acknowledging You. And you promised that you shall direct my path. I thank you, Father, that you directed my path here to this job. I thank you, Father, that you directed my path here to these people. I thank you, Father, that you directed my path here to be in this neighborhood. And because you have directed my path, there is a purpose here. There is a direction. I am not aimlessly walking about. But you have directed me. And I thank you for the good things that will come on. You see, that's a person with purpose the enemy can't get you off. Can't get you steered off in another direction. But if you don't follow those first three things, all he has to do is come along and say, what are you doing here? Why are you at this job? Why are you in this school? Why are you learning these things over here? Why did you marry so-and-so? Why did you live in this neighborhood? You don't like this neighborhood. And he begins to question all these things and be we begin to say, hmm, hmm, maybe I'm just aimlessly wandering. Here's the things, my trusting, my leaning, and my ways. I get those things right, folks. My paths will be straight. He shall direct my paths. I will go from one thing to another. I won't aimlessly wander around I will be directed as to where I'm going to go. Just like if you're going to go over to the mall and you say, what are you going to do at the mall? Well, first off, I'm hungry. You ever said that when you're going to the mall? First off, I'm hungry. If you are hungry and you're going to the mall, where are you going to park? I'm going to park at the food court. Why? Because that's where I want to go. i got purpose. So the whole time I'm I'm getting over to the mall, I'm thinking... I'm going to park over here. I'm going to, first off, get something to eat. Now, if I'm not hungry, I'm on my way to the mall, and I'm thinking, what's the first thing I want to do? Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to get that shopping done. And after I get all the shopping done, I'm going to sit down at the food court, and I'm going to have myself a nice meal. Or maybe you say, I'm going to go over to... You name one of the restaurants that's on the other end of the mall. I'm going to go over to there, and I'm going to end up up at that spot. And then you begin to think, all right, so where do I want to park? Uh, well, I either park by the first store that I want to start at or I park by the restaurant that I want to end at. And you see, you do all this in your head because you have purpose and direction. Because you're considering some things. You're walking in an area of understanding. Well, this is what you should be walking in with the things of God. First off, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Understand that if you are in the place that you are, you're there because God has led you there. Trust in that. Don't let the enemy come along and shake that trust. You married the person you married. You bought a house in the neighborhood you bought a house in. You're at the job that you're at because you followed the direction of God. Because of that, you're in a good place. Father God, I thank you that you have directed my path. I thank you that you have. I don't just aimlessly wander around here. The enemy wants to get you to aimlessly wander around, but don't do it. I have trusted in you with all my heart. I am not leaning on my own understanding. I don't say out of my mouth, well, I just don't understand. I'll tell you what, folks, get those things out of your vocabulary. Just don't be saying it. If you just don't understand something, you either don't need to understand it or don't need to understand it yet. Don't sit around there and be, I just don't understand. Why does this happen? I just don't understand if God's God, why are people going around shooting others because people are sinners people need God, so we want we want our paths to be straight we want God to direct us to where we're going don't want i'm aimlessly wonder if i'm if i'm going to and I'll notice this with when I'm running with john when I run with John, if you ever looked at the g p s it's different than when I run by myself. I can look at a GPS and say I ran this with John, and I can look at the GPS little thing that shows you where he ran as I, I didn't run this with John. I ran this by myself. And I was uh, I was running with John this week, and we were running around. And this is what John does. <coughs> I don't know why, because John likes distance as much as I do. We're kind of uh, competing right now on who's going to run the most miles for the for the year. And some days he just he just. Re- <laughs> One day, he put in 14 miles, ran three different times during the day just because he could. Put in 14 miles. I only put in eight and a half. <laughs> he gained on me. <laughs> we were talking about that and walking around. But here's what I can tell. When we were we are running around and uh, whenever I run with John, we don't run up on the 202 bypass. He doesn't like the 202 bypass. 202 bypass is straight. He likes to run in the neighborhood. So we run around in the neighborhood. And to run around the neighborhood, you go around all these little circles and, and things. Every single time, if we come upon a curve, John goes for the inside. Every single time he's cutting, he's trying to cut the corner off, so he's he's hitting the inside. I don't know why he does it. When I go by myself, I just I stay to one side of the road. Usually it's the widest side. I take the outside of the corner because that way I get more miles <laughs> for the same run. But. He'll, he'll come up. If the road turns this way. He will move over and it will cut off the, the corner. And then if it goes back over this way, he crosses the road and we go over again. <laughs> because he likes, he has, a, he has a purpose. The purpose is I'm going to finish this route as soon as we can. My purpose is I'm going to take as many miles as I can out of doing this thing. So we just have a different way of, of going about it. But uh, I'll still take a run with John over taking a run by myself any day of the week. That... Um, that helps us out. But you see his eyes are set in a certain direction. When he's running his eyes are set in a certain direction. When you do the things that God says your eyes will be set in a certain direction. He will direct your path. You're not just aimlessly running, you're not just aimlessly walking around. Your eyes are set. I put this in your outline for you. Problems are easy to see and pray. But they are distracting. They will get you to aimlessly Wander around. Because when you have your eyes on the problems, you're not trusting in the right source. You're not understanding the right way. And you are not acknowledging him in all your ways. If the enemy can get you to be problem focused, do you see this over here? Do you see this thing happening here? What about this over here? Look at this over here. And he gets you to focus, focus, focus on problems. If you have a relationship going on, The enemy likes you to focus on the problems of that relationship. If you have a son or a daughter, the enemy likes you to focus on the problems of that son or daughter. If you're in a neighborhood, the enemy likes you to focus on the problems of that neighborhood. If you have a job, the enemy likes to focus. You see this over here? You don't like this over here. And wants you to focus on the problems because if he can get you to focus on the problems, he will stop you from trusting in the Lord with all your heart. He will stop you from leaning not on your own understanding and He will stop you from acknowledging Him in all your ways. Once He does that, getting your paths to be mindlessly wandering around is no big deal. To pray the promises, you have to be able to look past the problems. The enemy wants to distract you with problems. God wants to motivate you direct you with promises. But the choice is going to be up to us. Do we pray the promises? Do we focus on the promises? Or do we pray the problem? Do we come to God and say, God, oh, God, it's, it's all falling apart. I mean, the things going on in my job, I don't even know if I'm going to have a job much longer. Oh, did you see the way that they looked at me? Did you see the things they're talking about? Did you see the bottom line for the company? Oh, God, I don't, I don't know. See, I've messed up with my trust. I've messed up with my leaning. I've messed up with my acknowledging. And thereby, what happens to my past? They don't become directed by Him and I aimlessly wander from here to there to here to here. Pray the promises. Because in the promises, you have everything that you need. Does God have it? Does God want to give it? And what do I have to do? In these two verses, we have everything we need. I know exactly what I have to do. I know exactly what God is offering to give and I know how to receive it. The promises are phenomenal. I put up on the Facebook, I tried to get some conversation from everybody on this, didn't, uh, didn't actually have any success. We got uh, I think on the first post, we got two people. On the second post, I got one. But I wanted you all to, to begin to acknowledge, begin to state some things in the area of promises. What promises we challenged you last Sunday? Two promises. Two promises that you would focus on this week. Two promises that you would take your prayer life and orchestrate it around it. So we asked you up on Facebook, what are those two promises? So three people gave me uh, at least one of the promise that they were, they were looking at. But I know we can do better. What are the promises that you are focusing on? There are plenty of problems that we can focus on. And the enemy has probably gotten you off this week by focusing on a number of different problems. But if you stay on the promises, you won't get veered off by the by the by the problems, stay with the promises. What has God said? First off, if God hasn't said it, then there's nothing you can pray on it anyway. But go into the Word of God and find out what the promises are. How many did a search? Google search, Yahoo search, somebody search on the promises of God? Anybody do that? All right, I got one, two. I got, I got two. All right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you just, did, how many did you find out? Wasn't a whole lot there. Came up. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's all right there. You don't have to do any research. It's all right there. Just tons of websites. Just click on any one of them, and there you go. You've got about 16, 20, 30 promises of God that you can look at. And just, oh, I like that one. Oh, I like this. Oh, yeah, this one is going to help me out. Just do a search like that. If you go for a concordance, you say, look up promise, you're going to miss most of them. Because a lot of them don't have promise written in it. We didn't see promise written anywhere here. In this verse, we, we spent some time looking at it. No word promise in there at all. You'd miss that one. You don't want to do that. Go out there and, and do a Google search. Get a topical Bible. Find promises of God. Something along those, those lines. And just begin to go on down them. But pull some of those out. Focus on that God has plans for you. That God desires good things for you. That God is going to show up on your behalf. That God's strength is there for you. Whatever it is that you need. You focus on that promise. And every time the enemy brings along the problem that's against that promise, what do you do? I pray the promise. Father God, this is what you said I had to do to receive this. I've done these things. Glory to God, you've helped me do these things. I thank you that the promise is mine. Pray the promises. Don't pray the problem. Don't focus on the problem. Don't try and get understanding of the problem. Lean not on your own understanding. Get His. That prayer of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 is phenomenal. We've talked to you about it before because I was taught about it. It's also another great one in Ephesians chapter 3 and one in Colossians chapter 1. Those are three scriptural prayers you can pray. All of them are based on promises in the Word of God. Pray the promise, not the problem. If you pray the promise, you will find out your prayer time is a whole lot shorter. God's not impressed because you, you spent 30 minutes in prayer. 45 minutes in prayer or an hour in prayer. He's not impressed with how much time you spent in prayer. He's impressed with what you accomplished in prayer. What you accomplish? If you talk to God about the problem for 45 minutes, I think God's getting kind of bored. I know. I know about the problem. I already know, I know about that. I already know about that. Get into the Word. <laughs> but you start praying the promises. You know, change it, change it around. Everything that God has promised is something that He has and something that He is willing to give. Everything that is in the promises of God is something that He has and He is willing to give. Most people spend time praying to God about health issues, about sickness and disease, about finances, and we don't spend time praying the promises if you prayed the promises and if you grew in the things that God promised you to grow in you would see all those other things fall away and not even be an issue anymore pray the promises know the promises and pray the promises you all stand up with me Father we thank you because you are our God you have good things and you desire to pass those good things on to us and we desire to receive them I thank you, Father. We can walk in all the things that you have told us are available to us. Some of those things you said, this is what you need to do. You do that, I can do this. Some of those things are basically just stand aside and watch me do this. Father, whatever it is, it's all contained in the promise. And when you make a promise, it's forever, it's for real, it's for us. I thank you, Father, that we are growing. In the things of God. That as Paul prayed. For these. To grow. In the knowledge. Of him. In the spirit of wisdom. In revelation. Father we can pray that prayer for ourselves. Because these are all good things to grow in. These are all things. That you desire for us. You made promises. Because you wanted us to receive these things. So, Father, we're ready to receive. We commit this week to not pray the problem, but to pray the promise. We focus on the problem. The enemy is going to try and get us to lean on our own understanding of how to solve it. But we pray the promise. We lean upon you. I thank you, Father, for the things you are bringing about in our life. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, we have anything that was hidden in the back that I didn't get just yet? Ah, good. Okay. I have a praise report from until Last week, I see, received a beautiful surprise Valentine's Day gift from the Lord. That week at work, at we uh, at we were raising money to give to the to charity, and everyone. Who has contributed has entered into a raffle for a Valentine's Day gift. I thought to myself, it would be good to win take um, third, third take third prize. Oh, gotcha, <laughs> which was movie tickets and a gift card. Well, our God is a good God. Um, I won the third prize: movie tickets and a gift card. Oh, you got you got that. I was gonna I was thinking you're gonna get the first first one, but you wanted the third one. Yeah. All right, movie tickets and a gift card. That's all right. Dinner and a movie, basically, huh? Isn't that fun? Also, we have another one there. And um, I don't know why I struggle trying to... I'll just get my eyes and my understanding open. Um, for the past couple of weeks, I had in my mind that I would come to church today and put in a prayer request for a speaking engagement I have next week. But it was so warming and pleasing to my heart that before I would even get to the writing down my prayer request, the Lord spoke directly to me many times this morning concerning this. Thank you, Lord. I am excited. 1 Corinthians 2.9 I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And <laughs> Pastor T, this is one of the promises I am following <laughs> focusing on this way. That's it. Good, good, good. I think that's what Jolly was mentioning here too during the offering time about uh, California. Yeah, we got the those folks who were on the worship team and I'm not on the worship team but I still get to see the text messages that are sent and I saw that one that went on on by and uh, so she's, uh, she gets to speak over in California at a conference. Isn't that fun? That's, that's good. That's our prayer reports. Uh, Bobby had a uh, prayer request. His sugar is very low and he's not feeling well. Uh, I know uh, Ray said he hurt his back. That's why he wasn't here and uh, Angela had some other Issues going on, so they uh, they both stayed away. Uh, Naz we heard had the flu early in the week, but was thinking he was doing better and was was going to be coming on out. So I don't know if it was snow or something else that uh, kept the Sahadats away. But we didn't see see uh, any any of them on that. But uh, didn't get any any other news other than than that that I had. Um, I think that is about anything else to put in from our Facebook folks. All right. Let's all, let's all stand up. Father God, I thank you for the Word of God that is alive and working in Bobby. And Father, you show him the things he needs to do, that his blood sugar levels will stay intact because he does and obeys the things you have told him to do. We give you glory and praise for that. And Father, we thank you that as we go out this week, we are here to impact the people we come in contact with, that we have promises from God that govern how we will affect the people that we come in contact with, the people that we are around. And we will affect them positively. And we thank you for it. Use us this week. Let your promises come alive to us. And we will pray the promises, not the problem. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we go, we have, um, you all know, uh, the egg hunt is coming up. I put the date of it in your your bulletin. We need more volunteers. Uh, Obviously, we're missing a lot of people here today. Hopefully, some of them are Watching on, on Facebook, I sent a text message around to folks just to r- rally on this. We need to have more volunteers in order for it to work, because right now we don't have enough volunteers to make the day they, they happen. And so we're getting close to where we need to put uh, deposit money down for like the pony rides and the stuff like that. So if you have not volunteered yet and you would like to volunteer, uh, please see my daughter before you get out of here and uh, let her know. Um, text whatever. We need to make we need to make that decision here this week.